Hi, wherever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and this is today's Tech Briefing. In this program, when we start thinking cross-border, when we start thinking developed countries actually like US and other countries actually buying from India and the entire uh, manufacturing hub that exists around India. So we believe that that's the next step for us as a company. That's after these headlines. Instagram's head Adam Mosseri will testify before America's top lawmakers in a Senate subcommittee hearing in early December about the platform's harmful impact on young users, CNN reports. Mosseri is the most high-profile executive from Meta, as Facebook is now called, to agree to testify since Facebook whistleblower Francis Haugen released hundreds of internal company documents, according to CNN. Some of those documents showed that the company's own researchers had found Instagram can damage young users' mental health and body image. Apple will be switching to its own 5G modems in 2023 instead of using technology from Qualcomm, Nikkei reports. Apple's modems will be made by TSMC, the chipmaker that already supplies Apple's A-series processors and M1 system-on-chip semiconductors. Apple has been working on reducing its reliance on Qualcomm for vital semiconductor components for several years. The two companies have also contested court battles. Coinbase, America's biggest crypto exchange, has acquired BRD, a crypto wallet startup, to get the founders onto its own wallet team, the company said on Twitter. The BRD team will help accelerate Web3 adoption and BRD's founders bring deep expertise in self-custody for crypto wallets, Coinbase said in its tweet. BRD has millions of users, including in India. Big Basket, India's biggest online groceries company, is entering offline retail and has opened its first store in Bangalore, the company said in a press release. Big Basket, which was acquired by the Tata Group this year, expects to open 200 stores by 2023 and 800 by 2026. TomTom, a geolocation technology company, has opened a 100,000 square feet state-of-the-art facility in Pune that can accommodate up to 1,000 employees, the company said in a press release. The office was inaugurated by TomTom's co-founder and CEO, Harold Gordian. The center is one of TomTom's largest offices worldwide and a strategic engineering hub, according to the company. Staff can decide if they need to use the office based on the type of work at hand. NASA has launched a spacecraft that will intentionally collide with a distant asteroid in the world's first full-scale mission to test technology for defending Earth against potential asteroid or comet hazards, the US Space Agency said in a press release yesterday. The Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART, launched yesterday on a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket from a base in California. Bizongo started as a simple way for small manufacturers to find orders more efficiently. Today it has evolved into something of an operating system for manufacturers of custom-designed goods to manage many of their supply chain needs. In today's interview, Ankit Tomar and Sachin Agrawal, two of the three co-founders at Bizongo, talk about how their tech platform will eventually catalyze and facilitate exports from India. Here's more. Okay. Ankit, uh, Sachin, uh, welcome to this podcast and uh, thank you so much for making time for this. Of course, you're a rising uh, uh, company in the world of e-commerce and Indian uh, tech-driven startups. 
for people who are not familiar yet with uh, Bizongo, uh, maybe you could start with giving us a, a snapshot background about the company and we'll go from there. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Hari. Thanks a lot for having us uh, today here. As you said, you know, I will start with a little bit of context about Bizongo. So Bizongo is a B2B e-commerce and supply chain enablement platform for customized finished goods. And I'll give a little bit of a you know explanation there, but what we become is sort of an operating system on which large enterprise clients are able to run their entire op- supply chain of custom finished goods. And when I say custom finished goods, anything which is manufactured, which is custom, which doesn't have a very specific um, sort of, which is not branded, which is not a brand, but is completely customized for a particular need. So some of the categories which we are largest in is packaging, textiles, apparel, and um, you know all the other elements associated with these categories. While these are our largest categories, but our basic focus is to be a tech-enabled platform on which a large enterprise can run their entire supply chain with their manufacturing bot. Okay, I guess uh, interesting and uh, also nice to point out uh, to listeners that uh, the name probably is BizOnGo, although I started out by calling it BizOnGo. What was the uh, first version of uh, BizOnGo like? Uh, What did it do? And uh, maybe later we can get into what is the company's, uh, or rather what are the company's flagship platforms, products and services like today? Absolutely. The first version of BizOnGo was actually just a listing platform with interest from buyers. Buyers could come and create an interest that would go to the uh, manufacturer and he and the buyer could chat online. And we had filters and qualifiers to make sure that the right people are getting connected completely online without any phone numbers. And they're able to transact and get the best possible you know, efficiency out of the time that they spend on the platform. That was really the first possible version. And But at when we started as well, we were very sure that B2B is going to be a segment play. So we chose to start with the customized finished goods and we did try polymers, chemicals, the raw material segment initially as well on our platform. Mm. Uh, so tell us about what the company has evolved today. I mean, both as a company uh, as well as uh, in, terms of, in terms of individual uh, products and services uh, that you offer today, what has the company evolved into? Absolutely. I think we've evolved from being a front-facing e-commerce sort of a website to really an e-commerce enablement and supply chain automation platform with services on top. So today we have our flagship products from Artworkflow, Procure Life to Partner Hub, where an underlying platform has these apps on top. What does the platform provide a user or three or a or an enterprise or three valued services, which are uh, when digital vendor management, supply chain automation, and supply chain financing. What that essentially means is, as an enterprise, you can bring all of your 200, 300, or 1,000, or a you know, million, enter- million manufacturers that you work with on our platform, digitize your entire interaction that you have with them, right from codes, pricing, uh, to PO, to tracking, all the interactions that you have with your manufacturing partners, bring it on our platform. Everything will be digitized. What does this service give as value to the customer? There is lower cost of ownership because it increases the efficiency in the entire ecosystem. The next thing that our platform does is supply chain automation, where we ensure that without anybody placing an order or even touching the system, 
the entire supply chain can run very efficiently. And we do that by actually applying a very unique auto replenishment led supply chain concept on our platform, where the shipments happen based on the consumption at the enterprise end. As the enterprise keeps consuming, the manufacturer keeps shipping. And it's a complete live system to show that the live inventory of the customer is shown to the manufacturer. So there is no forecast, there is no ordering. So the entire ecosystem wastage reduces and efficiency increases. The third thing we do is, from an SME standpoint, if you're an SME, you want capital for growth. Most of the SMEs today don't grow because they have to invest their capital in working capital. Like their working capital cycles are large, they'll get money in 90 days. So they don't really have money to invest into growth. We on our platform have tied up with a lot of NBFCs and banks to enable an SME to get early payment on first day, second day, third day, depending on when he needs it, completely automated on our platform so that they have capital to grow. The customer can also maintain his working capital, but the SME has the capital to grow. So today we are an operating system on which the entire supply chain and vendor management happens for an enterprise. Okay. Uh, maybe you could uh, take a couple of examples of some of your best-known customers uh, to illustrate uh, how Bizongo works. Uh, what is the most important way in which Bizongo has changed the way these customers do business? Absolutely, absolutely. So I think I'll I'll take example of a customer called Ananda Dairy. Ananda Dairy is uh, you know a uh, dairy enterprise in the north, very large. They are they have. Um, 100 plus vendors with 50 plus SKUs that they buy from our platform today. So before Bizongo came into the picture, their ecosystem was that they had a team of five to six people who would, you know, daily coordinate with all of the 100 plus vendors for each procurement they do at a everyday stage. So they would keep talking to them, keep trying to find the pricing. And they would also in once a year, try and do a negotiation of the pricing and do a price discovery to reduce their cost. But once they brought their entire ecosystem on the platform, they brought their 100 plus vendors, their SKUs, all of these on the platform, two things started happening. One, all of their specs, artworks, and their entire documentation became digital because of which their lead times reduced. Because now the right spec, the right artwork reached the vendors automatically through the platform faster without having to go through email chains and everything. Their supply chain became completely automated, which prevented any stockouts at their end. And because they were able to, because all the partner, all the suppliers or the manufacturers were on partner hub, they were able to run bidding with them more frequently through our platform as well. So the entire cost of ownership, including their cost of product went down. So the cost of product went down, their lead times increased, and they had lower stockouts than they, what they used to have before. Another thing that also happened is we enabled supply chain financing for their partners. So when we enabled supply chain financing for their partners, their manufacturing partners were able to buy raw material in bulk because they had the capital to buy raw material in bulk. When they were able to buy raw material upfront, they were able to pass on some structural costs back to Ananda as well. So as a customer, as a uh, manufacturing partner, they had capital to grow. They were being able to focus on manufacturing while everything else is uh, taken care of by the platform. But on the customer side, as a customer, Ananda Dairy had a structural reduction of their cost. They had much more efficiency. The team that they had were able to do much more than they're just being you know, focused on the day-to-day. -day. And the third thing that they were able to do was that they had, um, uh, they had a, a structural reduction in their 
costs as well. So all three things came about for them without any stock counts at their end. So that's how life for a customer like Ananda Dairy changed before Bizongo and after Bizongo's platform. Uh, in in the context of being a very uh, strongly tech driven uh, uh, platform where i guess uh, for me a layperson's understanding is you do some sophisticated matchmaking between manufacturers and their suppliers and back and forth so uh, what are some of the latest advances that you are looking at very actively i mean for example uh, is iot something that's very relevant to you uh, give us a sense of uh, what you're thinking about Absolutely, absolutely. So I think a little bit of a differentiation in how we work and how usually, you know, uh, marketplace platforms work. So we work in a pure platform way where we do not, we help the customer discover a new partner, but they are not buying from us. They are buying from the partner, right? So we become the tech layer on which they are able to do all of this. To be able to do this more effectively, some of the things that we've worked and gone deeper into is, we believe two things are very important, like the customer being able to discover the right partner. So there we have launched our own bidding platform, which has a matching algorithm to make sure that they have the right partner to bid to. Because there are lots of partners. They have the right capability, the right partner with which they can run a bidding to make sure that they are able to do their chances of price reduction increases, like they have a successful price reduction. The second aspect, which you you know focused on, on really using IoT to give visibility. What we have also launch we are in a beta phase right now is build factory floor level visibility for the customer so we worked with some of our manufacturing partners to launch a cloud factory where each one of their machines are connected to sensors and those sensors are able to send that data into our cloud platform and that is live available to the customers so as an enterprise just imagine you sitting in your office and being able to see okay my order is now on the machine getting cut it's a corrugated box, it's getting cut, it's getting pasted, it's getting printed, and now it's out for delivery. Complete visibility at the factory floor level. That's something that we are working on in beta phase and launching pretty soon for a large part of our audience. You mentioned uh, reduction in wastage uh, briefly, and also overall improving uh, the total efficiency of how manufacturers and their suppliers and buyers uh, work with each other. So I guess if you were to extend that uh, a little or project it forward, uh, give us uh, a sense of your thinking or your approach towards this whole idea of uh, net zero. Uh, given that you're a pure platform, what are the ways in which you can help or even coax your customers to uh, transition to more sustainable packaging and manufacturing and so on? Yeah, absolutely. I think our supply chain model in itself pushes the manufacturer, actually the enterprise as well as the manufacturer to move towards you know, lower waste and more efficiency. And I'll, I'll explain how. So traditionally, how customers work is they will forecast their sales. They will say, okay, I will sell 100 units of this t-shirt or I will sell 100 units of this product. So I need 100 units of this packaging or I need 100 units of this uh, t-shirt. When they forecast, then based on that, they go back in their supply chain and tell the manufacturer, okay, I need this much but they're not sure when the sales will happen, right? So if the manufacturer has manufactured and then the sales only happened for 70 units, the 30 units will now get stocked at either the manufacturer end or at the customer end, which is blocked working capital, but as well as can become wasted. In packaging case, if it's paper packaging and it remains 
in the warehouse for more than two, three months, right? It will become wasted. Now that is essentially what we reduce by making sure that you have live visibility of the customer's inventory and you are shipping based on the consumption. So if the customer starts consuming very fast, you start manufacturing and shipping faster. But if the customer is consuming slow, then you know that the sales is not happening that fast. Your buffer levels go down and you only manufacture that much. A lot of people, what they also do is because they need product immediately, they stock the product in a warehouse. When you stock the product in a warehouse, at that point the, itself, you have created inventory and a redundancy. You may keep the product for some time, but it may convert into wastage. So what we say is you don't need to do that. Just bring complete order information and visibility into the supply chain, make it consumption-led, the entire wastage will reduce and it will become more sustainable manufacturing. It will become much more value accretive for both the manufacturer as well as the customer in this case. And obviously, we have our own you know, design studio called Deskworks in Bizongo as well, where we work with a lot of customers to come up with innovative packaging designs, which are sustainable, which are you know at the forefront of um, sustainability and really helping them think about what it means to be more sustainable and what it means to you know, uh, really go to, as you said, net zero. Okay. Can you tell us a bit more about uh, what prompted all of you uh, to turn uh, to entrepreneurship to start your own businesses? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think I'll, I'll share my you know thought and then I'll let Sachin also add his uh, view here. But from my standpoint, I have always, I've worked at Microsoft before starting Bizongo and my inherent you know, sort of motivation has always been to build products, to build um, platforms at scale, which get, which can create an impact for people across the world. Right? That has been my motivation. So when we really started thinking about what we could do and we saw the opportunity that B2B e-commerce or B2B in India can give you, it can actually create an impact on the economy of the country because a lot of that depends on the manufacturing sector and how we as India look at it. So to be able to build a product there was my you know, base motivation. And then I came together with Anket and Sachin and then we started thinking about what more we could do. That's how it started for me. I let Sachin also add here. Yeah, so uh, for me, it was uh, a lot about uh, uh, you know bringing more and more technology to Indian business ecosystem because uh, basis, uh, uh, my previous job where I used to work as a uh, you know, risk analyst in a hedge fund, uh, I could see in the Western economies, uh, businesses playing a significant role in terms of the socio-economic development of those economies or those geographies or those countries. And I could see a, see, I mean, a serious difference between the adoption or application of technology uh, by Indian businesses versus theirs. And uh, uh, we could see a real uh, white space, a very large uh, opportunity where we could bring more and more technology to Indian business ecosystem to enable and empower them and bringing them at the forefront of global B2B trade. So, yeah, that's how uh, that's what uh, uh, I had in mind uh, when we were starting and when we brought, uh, you know, Ankit uh, together in our journey. Uh, I think we, we we believed that we had uh, all the ingredients in place uh, as a co-founding team uh, to 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 get cracking on on this vision. Were there any uh, earlier attempts uh, before you zeroed in on uh, what is today Bizongo? 
yeah so as ankit had mentioned like uh, uh, you know for us the first uh, you know step was to decide the segment in which we wanted to operate and uh, we we did sort of experiment with uh, commodity as a segment uh, and of course uh, the custom made goods uh, as as one of the segment and uh, we realized that uh, uh, you know if you have to build a technology first platform and create enormous value across both sides of the marketplaces custom good category or, or, or uh, categories in custom good segment were the best one to uh, for us to focus and build a, a full stack end to end platform for that so that that's that's uh, i mean that's what we went through and uh, uh, brought our entire focus on uh, customized or made to order goods as part of our operations mm. uh, give us a sense of uh, the scale of operations at bizon go today and uh, also uh, getting it to that point uh, what have been some of your biggest takeaways so far yeah so i think currently at bizongo we are 200 odd people with uh, a revenue run rate of approximately 230 million dollars with you know uh, 125 plus enterprise customers and and hari uh, in the beginning as you mentioned we very recently turned a bit a positive as well so that has been a milestone for us some of the learnings that we've had throughout our startup journey has been to you know really be able to build focus and being able to find where you can add value as you try and figure that piece out it becomes more and more clearer to you i think our overall our pivots or our changes in our value propositions have been towards that target that as a customer are we able to give them enough value or not what our value propositions are and as it becomes more and more clearer focusing on that and scaling it up has been a core sort of uh, learning for us and that has helped us scale here in the last 10 months as bizongo i think 10 to 12 months we've had accelerated digitization as well so in the last 10 months we've scaled 4x of our of where we were in revenue and that you know scale up has happened because we were able to figure out the right basis early on and really um, press the pedal on those mm. uh, what may have been some of i mean looking back uh, uh, one or two of the biggest uh, pivots uh, as folks like to call it in the startup uh, ecosystem yeah i think i think one of one was to really focus on customized finished goods because as such also described earlier we were looking at raw materials we were looking at a lot of categories and trying to do very different things then we uh, started we we were 90% of our business actually came from chemicals and polymers in 2016 if i'm not wrong at that point we completely pivoted to you know doing just one category packaging because we wanted to figure out what customized finished goods is we wanted to make sure that whatever platform we build tomorrow scales for this large segment so one was that that i would call one of the first and the largest pivots for us because we had to let go of 90% of our revenue and then start from almost scratch the second one i would say not a pivot but a natural progression for us has been a very focused approach to just being a platform and not becoming the manufacturer itself right very very focused on building the tech and the operating system for our customers but previously we had tried you know um, giving the pricing being the guy who's being like a full stack e-commerce player just like you would find a flipkart or an amazon because when you buy from them you expect everything to come from them right we tried that model as well 
but very recently in the last one and a half years we focused purely on becoming a tech player purely on becoming a platform which offers value proposition and services on top of that so those have been two i think uh, you know good learnings for us and uh, good sort of milestones in our journey may not call them pivots but yeah mm. so in the context of uh, focusing on being a technology platform uh, today i guess uh, every conversation like this uh, Uh, begs the question: uh, What are you going to do with uh, AI, or what are you already doing with AI? And as you know, now supercomputing or hyper or uh, high performance computing is uh, beginning to become available on the cloud as well. So, what are the what are some of the kinds of things that you're thinking about? No, absolutely. I think we've tried quite a few things in the past as well, and we continue to innovate on that front. So we we help our customers, for example, figure out the right pricing from raw materials through our models. I just imagine that uh, when you are thinking about packaging price or when you are thinking about textile pricing, a lot of it depends on yarn, uh, polymers, paper. A lot of this depends on how that conversion and that structure really works. So actually helping them with intelligence and calculators and some of our models, helping them figure out what the range could be. Something that we've seen add a lot of value to our customers. We have also seen that. Customized finished goods is a category where specs and artworks play a very important role. Like for packaging, artwork compliance is very important. If you buy any food product, you will see a lot of FSCI, um, you know, license number, a lot of these compliance things which you need to have on the artwork. Even if one thing goes missing, you will have to recall the entire product. So our artwork flow products, you know, helps them automate compliance. It automatically figures out whether their license number is present or not. Whether on the artwork, some of the required fonts are present or not. That model makes it very easy for customers to trust that I have the right artwork, which can go to print and then on the product. And so, some of these are uh, places where we've already worked on. While as I talked about our bidding platform and matching algorithm to really keep learning who's the best guy to match with and who should be the guy you sh- should be bidding with based on the specifications, his overall journey with the platform. Some of these. Also help the customer figure out the best um, uh, sort of the best supplier or best manufacturer to work with. So some of these are evolving things, but the thought process is to use learning or to use models from an artificial intelligence perspective to help customers make a better decision, a more visible decision on a central, you know, in a central way, rather than have data pockets here and there. And as you said, I think supercomputing always helps. as your data stack keeps growing for us also it has uh, been growing over the last few years and the next few years as we see more and more of that happening i think we will have use cases for for that segment as well hmm. uh, a couple of last questions uh, so one in the context of uh, becoming a global company and second in the context of becoming a, a deeper technology driven platform uh, what might be some of your big steps i mean while you were talking about a customer in the us having visibility into factories in india i was just thinking that that can literally happen physically and probably even get extended to the point of you know remotely even managing some of the processes in those factories given that uh, iot and ai and cloud computing and 5g will all become fairly ubiquitous in the coming uh, you know years so Uh, give us a sense of uh, uh, what might be your next big steps and priorities both on the tech development front and and as a company 
I think, uh, you know, Hari, you called it out very well as well. One of the next steps as a company for us as a strategy is to now become an export enablement platform as well, not just be domestic, right? As we start giving that visibility, we believe that visibility becomes even more important and that all the problem statements that we see in India become even more important when we start thinking cross-border, when we start thinking developed countries actually like US and other countries actually buying from India and the entire a manufacturing hub that exists around india so we believe that that's the next step for us as a company same you know the question extends the answer extends from there to our platform as well for our platform as well becoming that export enablement platform will be a you know sort of the next natural step and a, where we will go deeper into making sure as you said to the we want to get to an extent where somebody sitting there can just switch off switch on switch off a machine as well and really just start running a factory completely remotely having visibility across really getting efficiency out of our digital vendor management automated supply chain and supply chain financing cross border as well so that's something a little bit of a tied answer but both strategically as well as from a platform perspective that will become a big step for us going okay very interesting uh, conversation uh Ankit uh, uh, Sachin, thank you so much again for making time for this. Uh, definitely uh, hope to keep the conversation going. Absolutely, Hari. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us today. Thank really you so much, uh, Hari. It was a pleasure speaking to you. That was Ankit Tomar and Sachin Agrawal. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.